0: Hi, this is Amida Switlow. I'm on beautiful, beautiful Salt Spring Island on a summer day in 2010. And I'm really happy to be with Susan Evans, who served in Zaire from 69 to 72. And then you did the same kind of job I did from 84 to 86. Hi, Susan. Hi, Amida. Nice to meet you finally. I've heard lots about you. Hey Susan, when you first went to Zaire, where did you go from? What town were you in? I came from Victoria. Oh, okay. And what had you studied? Psychology. And from UVic? hmm Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I went to UVic, too. Me, too. Yeah. Oh. So, what made you... Did you go alone? Yes. What made you do that?
1: Well, I... I just remember having a burning desire to go and work overseas and there were a lot of uh, people on campus, well, it felt like a lot who were interested, people who were involved in campus life, who were thinking of going overseas with CUSO. So um, I had a boyfriend at the time who went overseas the year earlier to... um, West Africa, and he wrote me and said if I were going again, I'd go to a French-speaking country so that I could become bilingual. And so I applied to go with Suko, oh. so that I would be posted to a French-speaking country. It seemed like a good idea at the time. And so I was, um, and also I didn't have a teaching major. Most, mostly the recruitment was for teachers, and because my degree was in psychology, the um, you know the 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 job opportunities were very small within Cuso mm. but as a if I went with SUKO, I would have possibly the opportunity to teach English as a second language, mm. in a French-speaking country.
0: Oh okay, so you went with SUKO then? Yeah.
1: All right. How old were you when you did that? I well I was twenty-two when I left Canada, barely. So young.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so might so we so you. End up in Zaire, nineteen sixty nine to mm-hmm. seventy two. African countries around Zaire are getting independent. What's they just they had become independent. Where's Zaire in its political world at that point?
1: Well, it, you know, uh, the Congo. Was, it was the Congo. Yeah, and uh, in nineteen sixty, it became. In indi- the Belgians left. Yeah, and. Um, uh, the country was in a state of civil war from nineteen sixty 1960 to nineteen sixty seven and uh, when I went over in nineteen sixty nine it was to um, kind of restock a uh, school uh, it was a it was a Catholic mission in eastern Congo okay. in the in the um, province of of uh, Katanga now shaba and uh, the s- the troubles in the country, because of the troubles, the school hadn't been operating for most of that period from 60 to 69, and we were the, I was the first laic, along with a couple of other Cusos from Quebec, who went to work in the the school, it was a high school. And I was an employee of the uh, Congolese government. It was still the Congo when I went. It changed its name to Zaire in nineteen seventy-one, I think.
0: Yeah, I remember that part. Yeah.
1: So, um,
0: were you you went alone, and in the school? Were you living in in and in
1: and around the school? Yeah, quite near the school. The first year, I lived with two other uh, Quebecois teachers, uh, who were sucos, and uh, we had a house. But um, that. Uh, kind of uh, fell apart these um, and the second year we moved in into the mission Oh right. I lived in in the um, I forget what it's called now but where priests and seminarians live wow <laughs> Oh, there's a word for it it's just a is it in French or yeah is it's in oh, French okay <laughs> but um, I just forget forget it right now and um, uh, anyway, I lived there for a year, and then, uh, and I was still teaching, but I started in my second year to work with women in the village, which was about uh, oh, seven kilometers away from the school. In the afternoons, I started working, and I went back the third year to work with women in. I guess it would be called community development. It was we called it a foyer social. And um, I, at that point, I moved into the um, uh, the manse or whatever the um, the house of the priest for that village uh, to to work, and then I had a fue social in one in two villages, working with women you still speak French today? Um, well, I don't tr- practice very often, but I hope so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just was listening to your, hands, uh, your accent. It was nice. Well, thank you. It, w- w- it was good. So then you come back, and then there's a big pause here, and then you reconnect with our organization.
1: Yes. Well, throughout my time, um, I returned to Vancouver um, okay. uh, from, the, by that time, Zaire. And um, almost right away, I got involved with uh, uh, a Southern Africa action group, uh, anti-apartheid group, and other ah. activism. And ah, uh, I've heard about you guys. Was involved in um, <laughs> in, in establishing the the. Uh, Development Education Resources IDERA in Vancouver yeah oh really yeah, right. yeah, okay. was I think the first chair of that organization wow so um, I never and, and we, all, we rented a space, um, many organ- NGOs in a building uh, on uh, Vancouver near Burrard and Broadway uh, there was Oxfam and Cuso and Crossroads and, and IDERA and there were many organizations there and um, uh, we were, all these organizations were represented on the board of IDERA oh. and uh, so I didn't really lose touch with CUSO and, uh, and, you know, at some point applied to work as BC Coordinator.
0: It was called BC Coordinator? It was
1: called, uh, it was called uh, Regional Coordinator. Okay. British Columbia.
0: I'm sure you did a lot more than we do now. Uh. Our main role was, is public engagement. In those days, you did recruitment, assessment, and all that stuff, didn't you?
1: Yeah, um, and uh, we did th- what what we did that that I um, thought was very important was um, development education. Okay. Um, actually, the, the RVs and, uh, and uh, one of the other staff people did most of the recruitment work. I wasn't that involved in recruitment, yeah. but I was yeah. very interested in development education. And we had a, a, a there was a concept at the time called linkages, which meant that reciprocal learning back and forth. Okay. And uh, so, uh, and I was felt very strongly about that linkages were really important. That we were having these exchanges of people. And at that time, actually, recruitment was we weren't sending so many, CUSO wasn't sending so many people overseas by then. It was more like uh, trying to fund projects overseas through NGOs. There wasn't that much bilateral anymore, government to or CUSO to government. And it was an attempt to. Um, uh, recruit host nationals who had the skills to do the jobs but be try to provide some funding so mm. that the, so that those salaries could be paid mm. so there was less emphasis on sending canadians at that time
0: i was listening to you ha- uh, having a conversation with uh, other people on salt spring earlier this evening and i was really inspired i was thinking about what, what a great uh, mentor you would be. So I, I'm going to ask you at some point to be <laughs> my mentor. If oh, you wow. did this work already, yeah. and I'm still young at it. And, uh, and I guess you still continue with international development in different ways. What do mm-hmm. you do now? What well, did you do when you come ba- came back? You did the idea. Oh well, I, I had
1: a career in the um, attorney general's ministry of the oh. provincial government. Yes. But and then I worked uh, as a volunteer in international development, as I've mentioned. And when I moved here, that was 1986. I left the CUSO job to come here, and um, we we had some small businesses here, and uh, mm. I um, I would I had like we we had an a uh, bed and breakfast inn and I had the voice of women RPRs from Chile that I sold and just in oh, small ways I didn't yes. have a lot of time but after I retired um uh we initiated the Seeds from Malawi project yes everyone in 2003
0: I just got a folder a little pamphlet for that and what's the um, website for Seeds of Malawi
1: it's uh www.seatsformalawi.org. Okay. And it's a very basic website. <laughs> all right.
0: And what is the, what is that that NGO actually doing?
1: What we do. Well, first of all, let me say this is a project of the Salt Spring Island Garden Club. Oh, okay. This yeah. is even
0: better. Yeah. Gardeners. <laughs> right.
1: It is. And but it's a collaboration, very much so, because the Apple Festival is a big supporter and the, um, we, the Spinner and weaver Guild have put on benefits on behalf of the project so this community is fantastic, you know, the way that people participate. Not everybody that's volunteering is necessarily a Garden Club member but the Garden Club is our sponsoring organization and the, the support is fantastic. So what we do in Malawi is we, uh, well we raise money to fund um uh inputs for food gardens okay uh, th- th- this is for um uh, subsistence farming okay you know the people tend to have land they tend to have a, maybe an acre of land around their little house and Shamba. they grow yeah they grow maize and beans and pumpkins and things like that mm-hmm. and um without um assistance it was and this is food for them to live for a year each from year to year and uh, what we found that with us helping for about a hundred and twenty dollars we can actually provide the seeds and fertilizers that enable them to feed a household of a average about six people for for a year you know subject to good rains and that sort of thing in mm-hmm. normal years the other thing we do we, um, uh, we fund, at this point, 45 secondary school students' fees and uniforms um, because secondary school is not free. And um, until recently, we had, a, um, we, we had a pilot project that was um, teaching. It was called our Youth Agricultural Training Program. There's a lot of lost knowledge because of the AIDS. Mm. We're working, by the way, with grandmothers and orphans these are families impacted oh, okay. by AIDS okay. and uh, um, you know a lot of uh, uh, families are not necessarily our households are not necessarily kin. Mm. I mean there's some kin but they take in other people, children you know who don't have families so um, uh, they these children uh, um, we try to help out to go to school so, yeah. And, uh, and then we were trying to provide agricultural training in the, and provide them with the inputs they need to grow market gardens. The chiefs are helping out with making sure people have any land that they need to grow food. And some of these young people, these youth, ha- who have, say, finished school or almost finished school and there's no job opportunities, and, um, and some of them are continuing to have market gardens. Wow. So, and another component of this, pro- this project in Malawi, it's just a little grassroots project based on personal connections. We have a partner group in Victoria called the AIDS Angels Association, and you may, may have met some of them, and they actually fund uh, some nutritional support for women on ARVs. Oh, okay. Because, you know, the effectiveness, effectiveness oh. of the drugs is, ne- they need to have good nutrition.
0: Wow. So, what started off at the University of Victoria, a young girl, ended up being a lifetime passion and making a difference in the world. That's what I call (laughs) a purposeful life.
1: And I want to thank
0: you very much for being a part of QSO VSO. Thank you.